0: Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are continuing on our series of the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're looking at His life as we go through Matthew chapters 11 and 12. And uh, we are looking at the way that Jesus did and performed in His daily life and in His ministry So we're following the ways of Jesus. And we have uh, talked about um, in the past about uh, knowing the ways of the Spirit. And I fully agree with that idea that we need to trace through the Scriptures the the ways of the Spirit. But uh, more importantly to me is uh, we want to follow the ways of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to find... And that's the purpose of this study in the life of Jesus. We want a deeper understanding and a more uh, flourishing and more fruitful uh, relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, So much of the life of Jesus to us in the church world is um, an abstract. um, It's uh, veiled and it's because we really don't Uh, take the time to study the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants us to know him. Just like we have a desire to know him, he wants us to know him also. Praise God. And so uh, we want to develop the kind of relationship and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ that uh, it's as if uh, we are physically walking with him on the shores of Galilee. Praise God. And I know that uh, that Jesus has revealed himself to us, and I'm so thankful that Jesus saved me. I'm so thankful, and I know you are too. You're so thankful that Jesus saved you, that uh, he found you by the roadside, uh, and he poured in the oil and the wine, and he set you on his beast of burden, and he took you to the inn and commanded the innkeeper to uh, to take care of you and to, and to nurse you and bring you to health. And I'm so thankful today uh, for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the local church that uh, Christ wants to make strong. And so uh, we're continuing on our study. We're in Matthew chapter 12. But before we begin, uh, let's just have a word of prayer. Uh, Father, we're so thankful. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful, so thankful for what you do, and the Holy Spirit that you've given unto us that really urges us on and enables us to know you in a great and new and fresh and powerful way. So teach us today. Give us unction today in Jesus' name, and we'll give you praise, honor, and glory for that. Amen. Praise God. So we pass through uh, Matthew chapter 11, and of course, that chapter ends with uh, the Great appeal of the Lord Jesus coming to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly, and ye shall find rest, rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we talked how that the only way that we can find true spiritual rest is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And once we come to Christ, once we're born again, And uh, we understand now we can experience the joy of the Lord, the rest that he gives. He expects us to take his yoke upon us. Amen. We become his servants. We are no longer slaves of the world, but we become slaves of Christ. Amen. And of course, being a slave for Christ, being a bondservant of him, Christ promises us great reward. Now, if we'll take our take his yoke upon us, there is great reward in that. Praise God. And then we came to Matthew chapter 12, which to me really begins to reveal uh, who Jesus is as a person. And we're going to see as we get through this chapter. Uh, there are certain things that should stand out to us concerning Uh, The Lord Jesus Christ, things that you and I are going to have to emulate if we're really going to be successful in the Christian life. Then we're going to have to emulate uh, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so it is my prayer that as we go through this study, that we come to know Jesus in a new and in a fresh way. Praise God. And so we got in our last session through verse eight. And I want to go ahead and read these uh, eight verses again. Uh, And because it's going to set us up for what is to follow. And notice beginning in verse one of Matthew, chapter 12. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day. I want you to notice that now on the Sabbath day through the corn or through the grain fields. And his disciples were hungry and began to pluck the ears of grain and to eat them. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. Now, that is an error upon the Pharisees part because they were following their traditions. They weren't following the word of God. And of course, uh, we talked last session how that in the book of Deuteronomy, it was perfectly lawful uh, for um for disciples or for Jews to walk through the fields of grain and to pluck the grain and to eat them. They were just not allowed to harvest the grain that was unlawful. But he said unto them, this is verse three. How you have you not read what David did when he was in hunger hungry and they went with him how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread which was not lawful for him to eat neither for them which were with him but only for the priests." Now, Uh, Jesus is is, uh, quoting this uh, verse to, to prove to the Pharisees that that, yes, it was unlawful for David to eat that showbread. But see, there is the element of the mercy and compassion of God within the law that should be followed and should take precedence over the letter of the law, and of course, that's something that the Pharisees uh, did escape them. Actually, you can say it that way; uh, they didn't realize that. And then, verse five, Jesus says, "Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple." Talking about Himself. But if ye had known what this means, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. So Jesus is saying that his disciples, by plucking the the grain and eating it, rubbing it in their hands and then eating uh, the kernels, that they were not condemned for that. They were guiltless for that. And then, of course, verse 8, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the uh, Sabbath day, which is very important for us to understand because what we're going to see uh, throughout uh, the rest of the New Testament as we read it is that uh, uh, the Sabbath day, the Jews called the Sabbath day a day of rest. Well, Jesus has gone to the cross. He's been raised from the dead. He sent the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Sabbath rest is found in Jesus. It's not found in a 24-hour day cycle. Uh, Jesus now has become our rest. And just as Jesus worked the works of God on the Sabbath day, you and I are to work the works of God in the same way. Amen. Now, we as believers in Christ Jesus, uh, we don't worship God on Sabbath. Of course, some of us do, and that's fine. Uh, but most of us worship God on the first day of the week. Uh, the first century Christians, they would attend Sabbath synagogue. But then on the first day of the week, Monday, in honor of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and this became a custom and a tradition in the church that, that we would worship on the first day of the week. Amen. But the point is this, that Jesus now is our Sabbath rest. We find rest in him. And so it is upon these days where the most work, the most vital work is to be done. And I hope you realize that by going to church at the called times, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh, you are fulfilling the work of God by doing that. And uh, so it should be in us the desire every time that uh, there is the call to come, and to come together as believers and worship God, that we make every effort to do that, praise God, and not just stay home. Um, that's not fulfilling what we're going to be studying here in the 12th chapter of Matthew. All right, now we're going to begin in verse 9. And notice what uh, Matthew records. And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue. So verse the first eight verses, uh, Matthew details... Uh, Jesus and the disciples entering into uh, or or walking towards uh, the synagogue on the Sabbath to attend Sabbath service. Now, we're going to find there's some clues here that we think, even though Matthew does not uh, specifically mention uh, what town Jesus is in. We have an idea that it was probably Capernaum. And we're going to find that out as we go along. Uh, once again, verse nine. And when he was departed thence, he went into their into their synagogue. Notice that it was their synagogue in the city that Jesus was in. And behold, verse ten, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days? Now we're we're talking about the Pharisees in attendance at the synagogue service, and they just came out and they said. Is it lawful for you to heal this man on the Sabbath day? Because they knew exactly what Jesus was going to do. They had seen it before or they had heard of it before. And so they were expecting Jesus to do something. But see, now, their question reveals to us that they were not in agreement with what the Lord Jesus was going to do that they would much prefer that man to stay sick. Amen. Isn't it amazing? Isn't religion amazing? Isn't religious tradition? Sometimes it will just absolutely blow your mind how inconsistent tradition is, traditional thinking is in a lot of areas. And they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days that they might accuse him You see. Actually, today, I guess what we would say is that we double dog dare you to heal somebody during church service. Thinking, we don't do that here. (laughs) Isn't that a shame? And he said to them, verse 11, what man shall there be among you and shall have one sheep? And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better? Notice that. How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Amen. Amen. It's lawful for us. Now, we're not talking about the Moses law. We're talking about the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Jesus is amending this tradition of the Jews. And he's telling them it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. It is lawful to get people healed on the Sabbath day. It's lawful to cast out devils on the Sabbath day. It's lawful to help supply people's needs on the Sabbath day. Praise God. And to me, that's part of the worship of God. Then says he to the man, stretch forth your hand and he stretched it forth and it was restored whole just like as the other. See, what we see here in verse 13 is we see the healing anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ and how that virtue goes out of him. Amen. The anointing goes out of him, went into that hand and restored that hand whole. But now listen to this. Verse 14. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him how that they might destroy him. Now that's very interesting. This verse 14. Destroy him. It's the Greek word apolome and it's in the aorist active subjunctive. It means to put out of the way. They wanted to put him out of the way. They wanted to abolish him entirely. They wanted to put an end to or to ruin him. In other words, when uh, Matthew records they went out how they might destroy him, they wanted to put him in the grave. That's what people do when they want to get rid of somebody. Not only did they want to get rid of his body, they wanted to get rid of his mission They wanted to get rid of his ministry. They want to remove him from the memory of the people. And the only way that they would be able to do that is to murder him, you see. And this is what now is creeping into the minds of the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the religious order. They can't abide by this man called Jesus, upsetting their apple cart. By bringing in new doctrines, doctrines that are of God, doctrines that are anointed of the Spirit of God. Listen, folks, we should not be afraid of change if change is profitable. If change, if God is in the change, we need to change. We need to go by the way of the Holy Spirit like it was described to me many, many years ago. There are different waves of revival. There are different waves of the Spirit. And so many people, they get on that wave and they ride that wave and they ride it all the way into shore and they get beached and they stay there. And they don't ever. There's different waves that come. You know, God is continually refreshing us. Amen. And we have these waves of glory and waves of revival. But we're not to take a wave and ride it all the way to the, to the beach. No, let's ride the wave. But when God comes up with another wave, let's get on that wave and ride it. Praise God. Amen. Let's continually stay refreshed in the things of God. So uh, change, if it's anointed of God, is good. And what Jesus is doing here is he's bringing change to, uh, to the people of Israel. And the religious order, of course, you know, they don't like it. And so they want to destroy Jesus because of it, even though they cannot deny that what Jesus did was a good work. But then verse 15 says, but Jesus, being aware of this, withdrew from there. In other words, he got out of there. He got away from that situation because he has much, much more he must do before his time comes. And. Many followed him and he healed them all. Now, notice the contention. Notice the contention of the Lord Jesus, but it did not stop his ministry. He would not allow it to stop his mission. He did not run away in fear. He just got to a place to where he could go ahead and continue with his ministry and mission. And notice and many followed him. In other words, I like to look at it this way. He, he literally emptied out that synagogue. And left the naysayers there trying to figure out how that they could put him to death. But those that followed him were healed. Many were healed. And he healed them all. So you've got to have a healing anointing to get everybody healed. Praise God. And so the ministry of the Lord Jesus, uh, from the time he was baptized in the River Jordan and his ministry began to uh, begin, uh, his ministry has been to teach and to preach and to Heal. And that ministry is not going to be halted by the Pharisees who oppose him. In other words, he's not going to back down. Now, he may have to leave one church because of contention and go to another church. But I guarantee you one thing, his ministry is not going to be stopped. And the only way that the Pharisees could stop the ministry of Jesus was to kill him. And that's the intention of Jesus coming to give his life a ransom for many. And so when they do murder him on the cross and he's laid in the tomb and when he arises the third day, that seed that the seed of the son of God that was put into the ground is going to produce a harvest. And of course, you and I are part of that harvest today. And that harvest is still being reaped. Praise God. Amen. And that harvest is going to continue all the way up until the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here we go again, verse 15. But Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all and warned them not to make him known. See, the people were willing to take Jesus to make him a king. This is something Jesus would not allow. He would run away from this because that's not his mission. His mission is not to take over as king of Israel and to oppose the Roman Empire. That's exactly the type of theology that got the Jews in trouble. They thought that's exactly what the Messiah was going to do. But you'll not find that in the word of God. And the Jews misinterpreted uh, the writings of the prophets thinking that when Messiah came, that he was going to immediately establish Israel. Do you remember, that's exactly what the disciples asked Jesus after his resurrection. Are you now going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons, but it is for you to go to Jerusalem and tarry there until you be endued with power from on high. That's in Acts, the first chapter. So uh, Jesus warned these followers that were healed not to make them known because he knew exactly what the Jews were, what had, what they had in mind. They were wanted to make him king and throw off the yoke of the Roman Empire. And that's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to do that. And so verse 17 says, in order that what was spoken, uh, let's go back to verse 16, and he warned them not to make him known. In order that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved and whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him and he shall proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, Nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A battered reed he will not break off. And a smoldering wick he will not put out. Until he leads justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. See, this is one of the first indications of the church age that is coming. Amen. That this new uh, faith that Jesus is promoting and is going to establish in his death, burial, and resurrection were not for the Jews only. You see, the, the Jewish Christians didn't realize this until after 10 years after the, uh, the the day of Pentecost when Peter went to a Gentile's house by the name of Cornelius and God poured the Holy Ghost out upon them. They didn't realize that. Amen. Praise God. See, it takes us a while to catch up with the things of the Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. Praise God. So let's look at this Isaiah chapter forty-two one through four that Matthew quotes, and basically what uh, what Isaiah is saying is that the Lord Jesus he's not going to lead a political movement. You know he's not going to make an attempt to rule over the people of Israel, become ruler or king, and that's not his mission. His sole mission is to do the works of his Father. Amen. And to finish that work. And of course, that work was finished on the cross. Jesus said that in John chapter 19, I believe it's verse 30 or 31. When he cried out before he gave up the ghost, he cried out and said, it is finished. Everything Jesus becoming sin for us who knew no sin was accomplished on the cross. Amen. Praise God. And when he uh, well, we'll not go there. We'll we'll say that for another time. And so we have to ask ourselves, well, that's the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what is our mission? Well, our mission is very simple. And that is to go into the world and to preach the gospel. That's our mission. Now, whether our mission begins in our backyard or if it begins thousands of miles away in another foreign country. You see, that's that's. God's sovereign will and his sovereign plan. Now, many of us, this mission called the Great Commission begins in our own backyard, begins in our home, begins in our locality, begins in our church. And let me say to you right now, if you are not a member of a church or if you're not attending church on a regular basis, you're not fulfilling the Great Commission. Well, Brother John, eyewitness, it doesn't matter. You're not fulfilling the Great Commission because the greatest work of God that is being done and has been done in the last two, 2,000 years has been done in the local church. Now, the church you go to may be dead as a doornail. Well, then you have to make up your mind. I need to go to a church where I can be ministered to and where I can minister. There's something that you can do. Many of you you sit idly by and you allow the deplorable spiritual condition of your church to exist because uh, you're not going to do anything about it. We have churches in our locality that are in danger of closing. But are the members calling for prayer services? Are they burning the midnight oil and praying and, and asking God you know, for a refreshing, for a revival? No. They just sit around and do nothing. And so that's the reason why many of these churches in America, why they have closed and why they'll never open is because nobody is taking it to heart. And if you're in a church and you and you know that your church is not on the right path, then you need to dig in your prayer heels and you need to find some people in, in your church, members in your church and get together and begin praying And then God will honor your prayer. Amen. Yes, he will. He will honor your prayer. So what is our mission? Our mission today is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And like I said, many of us. We begin in our backyard. We begin with the children's ministry or maybe nursery or maybe Sunday school. That's your mission field. And you're to prepare for it in the same way that Jesus prepared for his mission. How many times have we seen just in this part of the life of Jesus that he went apart, got apart from the people and prayed? Listen, the reason why you feel like quitting Sunday school and nursery or or whatever ministry that you're in in the church is because you're not spending time praying over that ministry. And maybe you feel in your heart, well, you know, this is really not what the Lord has for me. Well, has something else come come along? Well, no. Well, then you stay right where you're at and you spend time praying and fasting and studying and praying. And you make that the most important part of your mission and your ministry before the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's really who you're working for. You're not working for your deacon. You're not working for your elder. You're not working for your pastor. You're under their submission, but you're working for the Lord Jesus. And let's all of us make sure that whatever we do, we do to please the Lord Jesus Christ. And that means doing the very best that we possibly can. Let's make our ministry a ministry of excellence. And I know that word excellence has been overdone today. But let's do the very best that we possibly can. And God will reward that. He'll build that up. I know my my wife, when she was a teenager, uh, she agreed to take over a, a young people's group. And the young people's group was in a deplorable situation. But because of her fervency, because of her purity and the desire to see God do something, in, a, in just a matter of a few weeks, that deplorable youth group uh, was running like 17 and 18 and was really going somewhere. God wants to do something in your ministry. He wants to do something in your mission. But you're going to have to do it the way Jesus did. Give your whole heart to it. Praise God. And God will bless you for it. Praise the Lord. And the last part of this uh, 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 this quotation in Isaiah, until he leads justice to victory. Now, I want us to stop. Uh, we're going to stop with this thought. We're on the victory team brother and sister, we're on the victory team. The Lord Jesus, he will always lead us in a victory train. He will always make sure that we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so we have to stay focused on our mission. Whatever that mission is, lay leader, pastor, Sunday school worker, Sunday school superintendent, nursery worker, helps ministry, cleaning the church. If you're If that's your job, cleaning the church, you make sure it's 100 percent spotless. Do the very best you can. And when God sees that and you continue in it, then he'll bless you and he'll reward you and you'll get increase. So let's focus on our mission that he has sent us and let's go forward with it. Amen. And let's accomplish it just like Jesus did. Praise God. Father, we thank you. We praise you for your goodness and for your mercy today. Lord, we take this word into our heart now in the name of Jesus with the full intention of carrying it out to the best of our ability by faith in you, Lord Jesus. And we know, Lord, that you will reward us and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen.